It's time we honor the biggest lie ever told, that if we made money as a business owner or hit a certain dollar amount, our problems would suddenly go away, right? My name is Cheryl Dorsey. I'm a data journalist, a tech founder, and a longtime entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, and have done what feels like all the things. Yet I still wonder on a daily basis, am I doing this right? As entrepreneurs, we provide more time than we have, risk more money than most, and sell or are sold to more than we would like to admit. It's my mission through this show to give you a space to honor the powerful builder and CEO in you, even when sometimes it feels like no one should have left you in charge. Incredible work doesn't come without painful lessons. Welcome to I think I'm doing this right. Welcome back to I think I'm doing this right. That's the right. I said it right. Okay. I always forget the name of my podcast, <laughs> but don't pay attention. So my guest today is the co-founder and managing partner of Debut Capital, an investment firm that invests in Black, Latinx, and Indigenous founders creating influential businesses. Now check this. While all of us were suffering from the recession, he started a company in 2009 that created products 10 years. Wait, excuse me. So check this. While everyone was freaking out about the recession, in 2009, he co-founded a strategy-led mobile agency called Prolific that worked and launched over 100 products over 10 years before being acquired in 2019. Armed with a passion to invest in a more equitable future, He's building partnerships based in honesty and value. I'm so excited to welcome Bobak Imamian. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Yay. I feel like we met, it might have been last year or the year before. At this point, I can't remember. But I remember being introduced to you while I was in Miami and having coffee. And you were telling me like your life story so casually though you've hit like all these incredible milestones and you're so successful, I have no idea what you're doing today at this point <laughs> that like could top anything you've ever done before. But talk to me about your journey because you were a founder before you became an investor, right? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I guess it all started uh, growing up in Iran. Uh, I was actually born here, moved there, uh, was there till I was in third grade. Oh, wow. And then uh, moved to the States where I went to high school and college in Connecticut. Um, and then I met my co-founder in college my from my last company. Um, and, and he was actually a pitcher and I was a catcher on the baseball team nice. and uh, building websites and, and all this kind of stuff. And he would help me out and and he would figure out how to do it in like two seconds. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait a minute, this is taking me like two weeks and he did it in two seconds. I should probably figure out how to work with him. Um, and so we, we, when we graduated, uh, we were building websites, Facebook apps, you name it. CD, I think I designed a CD-ROM cover once. Nice. On, found, found a client off of Craigslist, you know? Can I tell you that every incredible story starts with some kind of Craigslist interaction. <laughs> like seriously, was that the first client that you had was off of Craigslist? Yeah, it was one of one of the first I think well actually it was through a friend of a friend it was mingrinoslandscaping.com and uh, they paid us $300. Nice. Uh, and you for built a website? website? Yeah. 
designed it, built it, and uh, what'd you build it in at that time? That was some like hardcore HTML. We just like yeah, yeah there's no, no like templates. Yeah. <laughs> Hello world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or I just basically hovered over my business partner and watched him code. That was nice. my project management style. I was going to ask, like, what were you studying in college? Like, was the intention to like start some kind of a design, like web web development company, or were you just like, okay? I'm clearly playing sports. Like I am like going to follow this traditional path. Like what, like what was that in between? I want to get into that. Yeah. So I barely got into college because when I was, I was in Iran, I was number one in my class yeah. in second grade. That was the last time. And then, that was the last time. <laughs> and then when I, when I, when I moved to Connecticut, uh, I got, cause, uh, Farsi was my first language. Mm -hmm. And so when I got there, I didn't know how to speak any English. So they gave me like a special teacher that would sit with me in class. And, uh, and in Iran, if you forgot to do your homework, like you were in trouble, Yeah. you know, like you brace yourself for, you know, hard times. <clears throat> so one, <laughs> one day I, I forgot, remember those desks that like open up? Yeah. yeah. So one day I forget my homework in the little cubby thing and and the next day I come in, I'm like, I'm in, so, I'm going to be in so much trouble. Like they're going to kick me out of school. I'm so scared. And I remember this so vividly. Yeah. And the teacher comes around and is like, okay, did you do your homework? And I was like, no. And nothing happened. And I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Right. And then yeah, let's and, try it again. Yeah, let's try it again. <laughs> literally. So I did, I literally did it again and nothing happened. And then that, that just like created really bad habits till you know, college and, oh, um, but we, we got through it. So we got, uh, went, went to school there and, um, and you were studying or, or you oh yeah. So was, I was going to study international business cause okay. you know, my fam most of my family's in Iran. I have some cousins in like Germany Yeah, and I don't even know what international business meant, but me either, but that's what I studied too. What, what did you think it was? Well, I thought it meant that I could go to Italy and like eat gelato and, you know, work for like some famous Italian luxury designer or something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, that was like the life I just That's wanted to live good. and like read poetry or something, you know? <laughs> it sounds like you're going to be doing that this summer. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, what I Yeah, gelatos and poetry. <laughs> gelato and poetry. In Europe. It's true. You are going to be doing that. So you, so you... So you decided on international business. You felt like, okay, this is apropos. I can, you know parlay some of my already like internationalness mm -hmm. into this like career like what was your family like thinking did they you know you said you barely made it into college mm -hmm. so did they have any high hopes that you would at all be successful or like what was the sentiment during that time i think it was just like not failing out and like you know studying and, and being close to home yeah as my mm -hmm. uh immigrant you know mother would would uh trick me to go to the school 10 minutes from uh, from the house and, um, inter so it was international business and marketing. I mean, it was kind of like, they're just happy. I was going to college. That's why they moved to the, this country and, yeah. and the rest, like who, who knows? I think, you know, um, it, it was as long as I was passionate about what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And at that time, like baseball was really, uh, a big passion of mine. Nice. Um, they were still kind of happy, but they were like, okay, you know, figure, figure out your stuff. And, so international business was really hard. It was like a lot of reading and books and stuff. <laughs> and which homework. Is, yeah. So imagine like that wasn't working out. And one day I come home and my, my roommate is like holding a piece of origami. 
And he's like, look what I did in class today. And I'm like, you literally went to, to class and you made origami in class. Like what, mm-hmm. what are you studying? I want to, I want to do that. And he goes, oh, it's entrepreneurship. So literally the next morning I went and changed my, um, my major to entrepreneurship thinking like I was tricking the school that it would be like easy and ended up learning a ton. We worked on a lot of business plans. And at the time I was like, this is so easy. I'm getting away with murder, (laughs) but it was actually really catered to my learning style and it was Mm. like hands on and got to meet other entrepreneurs and, and founders that would come in like local business owners and just you just get exposure to like to see what's possible what's out there yeah. and, and that was a really big had help. you ever considered entrepreneurship before i think i always was hustling it was just yeah. like in like in iran if you if you have a boss like people make fun of you interesting it's like called it's like embedded in the culture i've never heard of that yeah wow yeah, okay because so. like what what are most people doing they just have like multiple like side hustles or they're just starting their own thing, thing. yeah okay. so you, is like, your family yourself. perfectly okay with like you're going to study entrepreneurship and at some point coming out of this like you will be building a business was that like their thinking of you deciding to switch majors i think i think as long as i was still in college they were <laughs> 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 that was success but yeah they weren't scared of like entrepreneurship or me starting a company which ended up being they were huge supporters of and I think looking back a lot of my friends that had ideas or wanted to do things it was kind of like oh you have to go get a real job and they gave me the space and and believed in me that like oh it's possible because they're they're business owners nice so I think um you know that was a big that was a big help in in starting our company it gave us the space to do that and not pressure to like Mm -hmm. go and do something else so this is like right out of college, you start this company, you work on it for a decade, and then you sell it. What were some of the challenges as like growing a company, starting from scratch, especially like in the space of tech? Because you were, we'll talk about the things that you were also building as mm-hmm. part of Prolific. Yeah, I think uh, you don't choose, like, uh, you don't choose as CEO <clears throat> the different, uh, stages of growth you're just passionate about what you're building yeah you know and you show up every day and you're working really hard and you're building a team you're doing it together um but as you grow a team they need and expect different things from you at different sizes and i i always remember you know when when our office was really small and it was maybe like five or ten people um you could lead by osmosis so like being in the room your energy People, people always like mm-hmm. feeling it, looking for it and, and how you acted and how you behaved rubbed off on everybody. And that was like who you were as a company and how you were going to do things. Yeah. When, as we expanded, you know, we moved to new offices and like, there was like, uh, uh, you know, you'd have to turn the corner to go access another a- aspect of the, uh, office it, the vibe just changed mm. and I was like what is going on like why are people complaining or why are they having a hard time and so then you go through this really big growth moment of of understanding what the team needs from you and and where you lack mm. uh personally and professionally where you need to grow for the yeah. team and that and every time you like overcome that that you know uh hurdle yeah then it was kind of like the team needed more from you for the next phase and, and so that was like that was really challenging uh, but looking back, I'm I'm super grateful that uh, I stuck through it and and kind of, you know, yeah. had the tools around me to help get through it. 
So when you talk about the tools, were those deep, like late night conversations with your co-founder, with your clients? I mean, you go from the $300 Craigslist like gig into, you know, major contracts with big brands. Like I think Sephora mm-hmm. was one of your clients and, and, and lots of other folks. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you all fundamentally decide like we have to do things differently? And then like what were those tools and those resources that helped you go from this is the kind of the scrappy, like proverbial, like dorm room startup mm-hmm. into like we're dealing with major clients. Mm-hmm. We've got team members, five to 10 to what, what have you and growing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to fundamentally become different kind of founders or, or business leaders. Mm-hmm. What were those pivotal conversations you were having throughout that process? It was for 10 years straight. Yeah, it never yeah. stopped. I think, um, you know, looking back, it, it was it was really just just trying to grow. But I think we, we had a really great advisory board Mm-hmm. Um, and people that were really passionate about help, helping us as a team, as individuals. Um, so that's something that I always talk to founders about is like getting relevant people around you that you trust, that mm-hmm. care about you as an individual yeah. and want to see you grow. And people want to be a part of that story. Like it's yeah. fun, you know? Um, so that was huge. People had built businesses already. Um, that was, that was a really big help. Um, when I got a coach that was, that was like late in the game. Um, but she really, uh, Totally changed the game for me. Yeah. Uh, when I started going to therapy, mm-hmm. that was like a huge unlock in, in understanding how, um, you know, when when problems or or challenges were coming my way, how how would it roll off of me? How would it stick to me? How would I handle it? Process it? Um, and and being in control and making those decisions mm-hmm. rather than you know sometimes you feel like. You're, you're kind of a ragdoll and getting pulled in a million directions. Right. You have no control. Right. Um, and Especially so, early on, as I imagine, right? Because you're having to do so much by yourself in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you're able to add. But then the more people you add, the more personalities you have to deal with. And different people need different things. And yeah, as you grow, some people aren't comfortable with that growth. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I love to hear, especially as you pinpoint executive coaching mm-hmm. and therapy and all of these things. Were there any any moments where you just felt like I am completely in over my head? Every like, it was. It was I'm a not lot. doing this right at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you you felt this too. I mean, it, it was a lot. It was like almost. <laughs> I think it was almost every day. I mean, there'd be good streaks. It wasn't until I, I stopped drinking for a year, wow. um, as like because because I felt that way and I was yeah. trying to get ahead. And I think at that time we had like 100 or 120 employees so it was it was a lot of information and and, you know uh people that needed stuff and and you want to show up for for the team and like they were working so hard and and doing such great work that like it wasn't fair if you were kind of half-assing it you know um Hmm. so it it was uh it it, i mean there's a million times where i fantasize about just quitting yeah i always say you know my happy place is trader joe's (laughs) and like after all this is over, I could either go work in the garden store, I can work at Trader Joe's. Yeah. Get, like, all the snacks. Ooh, I love snacks. Candy's my, like, yeah. weakness. And then, like, I like to go to Trader Joe's because then I can have healthy-ish snacks mm-hmm. and I don't feel so bad. Yeah, my problem is, like, I'll buy, like, 
four of the bags of whatever the snack is and then I'll eat all of it. In one sitting. In one sitting. I'll be like, it's still healthy, you know. It's, <laughs> it's <still> fine. <laughs> it was. But I'm smiling. The next, like, you know, an hour from then, my stomach really hurts, but it's okay. We should go to Trader Joe's together. We should. We should. Yes. Um, I'm all about, like, visits to, like, Trader Joe's and Target. Mm. Like, I love when I, I want to go back to this deciding not to drink for a year mm-hmm. because especially in startup culture and mm-hmm. especially in tech, alcohol is such a major like part of the culture. And I even personally, like with my team, have tried to find ways to like circumvent happy hour mm-hmm. in more of like, oh, like meet me at Soul Cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go like do a Soul Cycle class together or let's go go for a walk or something like that. And so now I'm like, hey, does anyone want to go check out all the new snacks at Trader Joe's <laughs> and be like weirdos in the aisle? That's and just great. like find That's what a good we can one. get. Yeah, just I'm like fun, like quirky things to like yeah. get to know people. Because you really know people by their snacks. Mm. I don't know if you've noticed that, but what people decide to eat is like their snacks is really important. So, so what's your snack? So I really like dried mangoes. Like, Solid. Yeah, like dried love, mangoes. Love dried mangoes. Because I love mangoes, and then dried mangoes are like just it's so good. Yeah, because like they're not going to spoil in your, you know, in your house. Yeah. You know, you know how like when the mango gets like really gross and mm. like it gets like brown, and then it's like you know, but you got to eat like it right at the right mm. time. With the dried mangoes, you can Forever. stick them on your part into your mm. well, your your bag, your backpack, and you'll always have a great mango at your disposal. So I, I might be allergic to them. Really? I don't know. I don't know if it's because I eat the whole bag every time. And my stomach starts to really hurt. <laughs> well, you can't have them or all like, at one time. The other day, I had one, and it was like, oh shit, I, I don't feel good. So I, but I'm that never really gonna get tested for, for that because I love it. So yeah, yeah. So good. There's stuff like that, like pineapples. Like pineapples don't agree with me, but I'm not gonna stop eating them. Yeah. So Okay. I know that we've good completely deviated from the conversation, but again, like kind of going back to this idea of fully showing up for your team. And just even as a founder, when, and you mentioned this, like kind of like every day during this process, you just felt like, yeah, should I quit? Am I doing this right? Like, like how do I solve the next problem? Because every day you show up, there is a new problem, a new fire to put out, a, a, a new client to like either please or to pitch or to land or what have you to keep the train running. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about that, you know, fully showing up for your team, and like keeping everybody excited and enthusiastic mm. about the vision, you know, how has that even just influenced your journey now as mm. an investor? It's it's yeah, it's influenced um, it's influenced me a lot, and and I'm very grateful for that experience. Um, you know, looking back, I think uh, one of the things we would always say is thank you for the challenge, mm. um, and and it was really a mentality. Um, and, and a mentality of gratitude towards the hard things. Um, cause the work is already hard enough, like building right. a five star iPhone or Android app for Sephora or soul cycle. Right. And like where the customers are really passionate and yeah. their whole business is on the line is like, and we had no idea. I mean, we were, we were just like, oh, this is easy. Like, <laughs> right. This is fun, whatever, right. you know, uh, looking back, it was like, oh shit, their whole business was like relying on this, um, was a lot of pressure. And, uh, and, and when you kind of shift the, the mentality and the lens to being really grateful for that opportunity to solve that problem, mm-hmm. it really is, uh, makes it a lot of fun. And, and you're working with a great team to kind of um, tackle that stuff. Uh, yeah. the, the other thing I think in that moment that looking back helped a lot was 
um, realizing that management is a real thing. Mm-hmm. There's like leadership, and then there's management as a, as a skill, as a career, as a profession. You know, right. <clears throat> and that was something I was like, oh. You know, if if you need to be managed, then like you're, it's like you should be able to manage yourself. It's like actually not about that. It's about me as a leader servicing uh, my team and giving them the tools and right. the equipment and and whatever they need to perform at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And if uh, if if I am not studying management and the practices of it then how am I going to show up for them and, and support their careers? Like, when are they going to raise? Like, what's right. the process of getting, getting that? And, like, really spending the time to understand what are your personal goals? What are your professional goals? Because then you know that I actually care about you as a right. human being and want the best for you so that when the business is shifting every day, I can slot in the, the right things to, to do that. And so, you know, that's something that I try... I, I bring up with founders now, but sometimes it's so early that it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah, Because <laughs> yeah. that's how that's the way I was. I was right. like, I don't need that. Because like, you're trying to sink or swim every day. <laughs> every day is so critical. So it's like, I can't worry about your feelings. Like, you're going to have to govern yourself right now. Like, I need you to, like, I want to manage the work. I do not want to manage the people, mm-hmm. right? And, like, you have to really define as a leader where you're strong at and then solve for some of the areas that you're weak in. Yeah. Particularly. Yeah. Was there ever a period of time where you felt like, yes, I'm doing this right? There there was times, I think it was like like social gatherings and just like feeling the energy of the team when it was like buzzing. It was like yeah. Oh shit! Like we are, we are a great team. Yeah. We can accomplish anything, um, and and that always felt really good. Or or like we were always the underdogs. I mean, we're, we're always mm-hmm. the tiny company going up against Accenture to do whatever. And we would we would put all of our effort and ideas and creativity yeah. into you know um, those those pitches and those opportunities. And we were hiring a lot of people who were. Um, we're giving a lot of people opportunities. So like maybe you were a lawyer for five years and you just went to a coding boot camp. We're like, you know what? Seems like you're really passionate about this. We're going to hire you, give you a chance. And then they'd become like an amazing engineer, amazing designer. Mm-hmm. And like, I love that. it was, it was so, and, and, and that was in the air, you yeah. know, it was yeah. like part of the culture. Um, so I think looking back, those are, those are some things I'm like really, really proud of now, especially when, a lot of the team is out there doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. Hey folks, thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope you're getting all the gems and all the tools from the lessons here. I just wanted to make sure I took the time to tell you about my new book, Upper Hand, The Future of Work for the Rest of Us. You can get it wherever books are sold. In it, I dive into the roadmaps of helping you, your loved ones, students, mentees, communities really understand and define strategies for understanding the language of innovation, entrepreneurship, and what's ahead. It's built with pages of exercises, lists of free or low-cost education tools and certifications, and a full 10-page list of what jobs will define the future, the salaries of those jobs, and prerequisites. If you've ever felt overwhelmed about what you need to get started in the tech industry or simply need a bit of guidance on how to create opportunities for yourself, pick up Upper Hand today.
By the way, I completely forgot that you did the SoulCycle app. And it's hilarious because like, I am religious about my Sephora and my SoulCycle mm -hmm. apps because I made it to like the top level in Sephora. Oh wow. Which is not something yeah. to be proud of. <laughs> I'm like, I don't need all this that, stuff. Sephora is proud of you. <laughs> They're very proud yeah. of me. The lady's like, oh, you're like a level blah, 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 blah. And it was like, ma'am, I'm leaving. I'm returning Please don't all say this. that out loud again. <laughs> Please don't tell my mother. Like seriously, yeah. this is wild. That's funny. <laughs> um, so, so it's really, really dope that you go from this kind of like idea, learning how to code, working with your co-founder, like not even knowing if like college was was truly the plan, right? And, you know, having this wild success and then being able to sell your company. What made you decide like it was time to sell? So we had in 2016, um, I think at the time we were doing about <clears throat> 10 million in revenue or so. Yeah. And uh, there was a couple companies that like, came and knocked on our door and were like, hey, we're, we're what's going on over here? Seems like you're putting out some pretty good work. Mm -hmm. You know, we need mobile talent and mobile help. Um, so we had a couple uh, uh, folks come on board to, to try to, you know, see what the opportunities were. So we hired an M&A banker. Nice. Um, and we basically ran a process um, and just wanted to see like what was out there since there was a couple people that were interested and that was an amazing experience. We, you know, pitched a lot of brands and, and like marketing holding companies and decided like uh, that we had a lot more runway left and we could grow the company and we had a path to 100 million in revenue and, and team was really passionate about that. Um, so we decided to sell a minority stake mm -hmm. to Omnicom, who's kind of like a marketing holding company. Yeah. They joined our board. Um, and they're the sponsor company Critical Mass um, and uh, Diane Wilkins became a really close uh, mentor um, and and my goal was just to learn they were doing 150 mm -hmm. million in revenue I wanted to just see what is you know what does that world look like yeah and a couple years in we, we realized that <clears throat> at their offsites they were talking about the same problems that we were having at mm -hmm. our offsite when we were doing 20 million in revenue. Mm. And so what that was what that meant was it's you know going to be the same problem over if you have to go find the clients, go find the talent and then you got to deliver and that's right. it. And then we were working with Rent the Run, you know, we built Rent the Runways first app. Saw them get to multi-billion dollar valuation. And we were there working with the founding team and we didn't own any equity, but they were getting valued at 10x revenue. And on a service business, it's like two, maybe three X revenue. So you start to do the math. You're like pouring your whole life into this. And, and, um, and the team was, was putting in a lot, like 10 years in, you have 100, almost 120 employees, 30 million in revenue, and people are just getting burnt out. Like we right. are, it's not like when you build that app, you're not just like showing up to work and be like, do, 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 do. It's like your whole world. Yeah, you're chasing every day. <clears throat> yeah, right. so it was intense. And, and I and kind of had a decision to make. It was basically, you know, do we want to um, do this forever? Mm -hmm. Or or have we really learned a lot and, and kind of see what's what's next and what's out there? Nice. And I mean, you were still so young. You're still very young. You even made the Forbes 30 under 30 list. So I feel like, you know. Yeah, like forever ago. <laughs> I mean, but still. I'm a grandpa. But like in the early days. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm a grandpa. I was, I was um, speaking earlier with someone. I was like, yeah, you know, 
like we're part of like the geriatric millennial class, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like it's, it's, <laughs> it's like people are like like the first time somebody sampled Usher's music, I was like, okay, now I'm old. Cuz like Usher was my world. Um so so what's what's interesting as well is so you decide to move forward with an acquisition and say like, okay, what's what's potentially next? I don't want to do this forever, you know, we're going to kind of reach some kind of a, a ceiling, I imagine. And tell me about how you decided to make the sale and then go and say, I'm going to go ensure the success of other founders, and particularly founders that who have been historically you know, underrepresented. So um, when we were, when we sold the company, we were exploring um, bringing on bankers again to kind of run the, run the process. Um, and so that, that was fun process. You're like, you know, it's a lot of chess, whatever. And one of our, uh, clients was WeWork and we had built an app for them in like four months and, and with like five people and they had a thousand people on their tech team and they were, they were struggling to get features out the door. And so when, um, you know, they, they saw that we were able to execute so quickly, um, that kind of opened up the door to, to sell. And, and so we had already as a management team and the board, kind of decided this was the direction we wanted to go and, and the timing just ended up working out. Um, and and I think from now what I'm working on it with, with debut and investing in Black Latinx and Indigenous founders, it really started in 2015. Um, and as part of the growth that we were talking about as, as a leader, we did an anonymous survey to the whole company. Mm. Um, and we asked like, well, how's your experience? You know, tell us everything. And, and meanwhile, I'm like, grew up in Iran and, and I'm very open-minded and I'm welcoming of everybody And this, you know, this must be such a inclusive company. That's like, Wait, that was and my they, like, mindset. Completely burst your bubble, right? Just told me the truth. Wow. And it was like, wait, what? How is this possible? Mm. How was I living in this alternate universe? Yeah. You know? Um, and so that was a, a moment to really internally reflect and understand kind of, um, you know, in Connecticut, the, the high school and, and college I went to is predominantly white. Mm -hmm. We recruited um, from my friend's circles where I grew up. And that kind of was the beginning of how it all started. And, mm -hmm. and then hearing that there weren't many women in positions of power, not many black or Latinx employees, um, and, and really figuring out like, okay, what am I going to do moving forward differently? Wow. Um, cause at first you get defensive and I think this is like a whole, there's a whole, you know, pretty common process around that. But, um, that's when, uh, my co-founder now Pilar and I, uh, really started to partner up and go to different conferences mm -hmm. and just listen to people's stories. Yeah. And, you know, I just started angel investing um, at that point. Okay. And um, when we go to like Black and Tech or Afrotech, you know, you meet legit founders that were building big businesses. But their story was they weren't being taken serious by VCs. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and then you turn around on the other side. It was, you know, white male founder had like a sketch on you know their deck and they they were getting funded no problem and it wasn't like a couple times this was like 10 or 15. it's like a recurring theme right 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's like so loud. And, and, and when you just hear people's stories, you're like, holy shit, this isn't, this isn't something like that's made up. It's really, it's a big issue. So yeah. I think that was really eye opening to me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as I started to get into different networks and stuff, it became clear that, yeah. uh, it was a place that I was really passionate about. And, and, and the work that I did with Pilar at our company, um, was something that we, we spent a lot of time on and tried a lot of different things yeah. and learned a lot there. You have, have invested in some really interesting companies. Which ones are your favorite thus far as part of your portfolio? I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, all of them. Maybe There's just, no way. All of them are my... Zero chance. Yeah. All of all of my children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> no, seriously, though. I mean, everybody is doing amazing. Yeah. Um, incredible people. Mm-hmm. Um, incredible leaders. Um, uh, solving really interesting problems yeah. that they're all really passionate about. And they're learning every day. And, and we're just so lucky and grateful to be... Yeah. Uh, a small part of their teams. Hey folks, my new podcast is not the only place to get tips and gems and updates from me. You can also go to my website at shereldorsey.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter where I share thoughtful essays on productivity, innovation, business, as well as new projects I'm working on. I'd love to have you share this podcast and give me a shout on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, or wherever you're being social these days. And if you're enjoying the content thus far, don't forget to leave your girl a review. Okay, now back to the show. What's different about what your journey was like a little over 10 years ago? Um, and even just recently, because you've sold your company in, in 2019, right? And I can imagine even, obviously the world's different because of a pandemic, but even as you're seeing these kind of founders who are building from the ground up and the different world that they're entering, how do you see either some of the parallels to when you first started your journey or you know, maybe some of the divergences of how they're building that may be so different um, that might be inspiring you today? Um, technology is changing every day. Yeah. So like, I'm, I, you know, so now you gotta check myself, I mean, like you're a grandpa, you know, like just, you know, you got you're, I'm learning every day. Yeah. So I think that's something that's really fun and keeps me engaged mm-hmm. um, is understanding like what's out there, how people are building things. Um, and then, um, you know, I think the other thing that's tough right now that wasn't as as bad uh, when I was a founder was that the press of like billion dollar company raises seven hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? Like that those headlines yeah. as a founder, you're like, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And then you're letting those headlines affect your strategy as a business right. when it, it, they aren't in context. And, yeah. um, and there's nothing I can say as an investor, as a friend, mm-hmm. um, as a former founder that will convince somebody anything. Otherwise, everybody's on their own journey yeah. and everybody's got to experience it. And when you believe, I mean, that's what makes a founder great yeah. is like when you believe in something, you see it through and, and there's nobody... It, it, it is able to tell you otherwise, you know? Right. And so it, it, I feel for founders when, and I did this in the past, it's like you double down, but like not on the right thing because mm. of social pressure. Um, and, and I think now with the market kind of adjusting a little bit, we'll, we'll see 
more of a conversation with investors of like, what's a good strategy for my valuation now, mm -hmm. the next round and the next three rounds? Because I right. think that's also something um, that happens very commonly. So I, I feel for founders, those headlines are, yeah. are tough. You alluded to this idea of that leadership and even that management journey sort of being an, an afterthought, right, as, as we build. Um, and also appreciate you being vulnerable about, you know, an anonymous feedback survey showed me like, I thought I was doing all the things, but I'm not doing all the things. And now I have to go and readjust, especially in this new venture that you've started with debut capital. But now sort of looking at, as founders, no matter where we are in the journey, still keeping those core tenets of leadership, of management, of ensuring that whatever you're creating, you are being as thoughtful as possible mm -hmm. of how you're building your team, how you're treating your team, and kind of all of like the touchy-feely things that we don't want to pay attention to when we're just trying to keep the lights on or just like trying to survive and make it out of the gate. How do you, how do you manage that with, with, your, with your founders or just, you know, whether they're part of your portfolio or, or beyond, like what, you know, how do you make that kind of a core conversation about paying attention to your own like personal leadership journey? Yeah, I think just being there for them and mm -hmm. asking the first question of how are you doing? And then how's the team doing? Yeah. And, and kind of using that as like a, you know, first entry point into that. Um, Cause also I think it's challenging to share tough, things with investors because they're going to write the next check. Right. So I think that's, even for me, that's been really hard is like checking myself, understanding, you know, I'm not a founder anymore um, in that context and, and, and being able to write that check is like, it creates a dynamic. So, um, and, and just trying to be really supportive through the hardest times, mm -hmm. like waiting for that moment. Cause it's going to happen, right? right? Every, every week every day like we've it's just like really hard stuff yeah and and showing up for them clearing your whole schedule being there sitting next to them for hours on end whatever they need and just listening and saying uh and, and reiterating how you support them and you believe in them and they're doing the right things mm -hmm. and 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 being there cheerleader because that's that's when you're in those moments you're you're like i'm a fuck up I don't know what I'm doing yeah. and like I shouldn't be doing this. All those kinds of things are going through your head. So I think, I think that's a really important um, role and, and responsibility as an investor to, to help support and like not be like, why didn't you hit your numbers? Actually, numbers don't matter today. Right, right. No, I, I love that. I love that. Is there any point in your journey and even just now, do you feel like, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm doing this right? No. Absolutely. Never, no. never. No, so I go to therapy every week, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Next thing you know, it's like, holy shit, I just All learned something. Yeah, like, wow, <laughs> right? Um, and, and I think that's once I started to embrace that yeah. and give myself um, the space to be okay with that, that that's, that's how my life is. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. And it's about waking up and, and curious to see what I learned today. Yeah. Um, makes it a lot more fun and adventurous, I guess. Yeah. So now how do you have fun? Because you seem to be so mission driven, you know, since the Craigslist gig, right? And have accomplished a great deal. So 
I don't want to ask like what's next because I kind of feel like that's not the purpose mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. You know, in this life, it's 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 so much about you know again like living a life that suits you for the most part. So, what are the ways in which like you're having fun in addition to all the really cool things that you're doing? Now? Mm -hmm. I love learning. Um, so, by, I love learning by building. Mm -hmm. um, so, whether that's through business or uh, projects with friends mm -hmm. and people I get to know, um, spending time with them, going on on trips, making memories. Um, a couple hobbies I, I built a couple years ago. I built an electric motorcycle. Oh, nice! Which was a lot of fun. I learned how to do that through YouTube. Okay. And so I highly recommend just... Does it work? It, it works. You still have it? Is it charging somewhere? It's somewhere in Brooklyn. I just... <laughs> I didn't have anywhere to like park it. So I had it in Someone a Someone has it. Yeah. It's like... So I ended up investing in an electric motorcycle company as an angel. And... Uh, nice. So that, that became... That turned into that. And then recently I was like, you know, I wonder how people make music. And so I, I like bought some equipment and... You know, every once in a while, we'll try to make some music. It sounds terrible, <laughs> but it's uh, it's kind of fun to understand yeah. how, how things work sometimes. So That's incredible. I love that. All right, so where can we find you across the interwebs? Um, Instagram, at Bobak Amamian, B-O-B-A-K, Amamian. Um, Twitter, don't really tweet that much anymore. Twitter kind of like gives me a little anxiety. It's so like negative, you know? Sometimes you have to just follow like the right people. I have to clean it up. If you can help me with that, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm happy to. I follow a lot of ridiculous people that know a bunch of random things. Oh, that's fun. And so I feel like that's where I get my kicks and giggles is like people on Twitter being ridiculous, like yeah. not negative, just like ridiculous yeah. factoids. And you're just like, oh, okay, cool. This person is just as weird as I thought that they were. Yeah. And this is great. That's but, awesome. Okay. So Twitter also does debut capital have a, have a newsletter? Yes. Awesome. Okay, so you got to get onto the debut capital newsletter and hear about all the incredible founders that you all are supporting and investing in for sure. Yeah, yeah. Debutcapital.com. Absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was good to catch up and Same. see you. Thank oh. you for inviting me to Atlanta. Thank you for coming. Yeah. And welcome to the A. We got to get you some lemon pepper wings. <laughs> like, that's Let's personal. Do it. Awesome. <laughs> Next time we can eat them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that wraps this episode. Looking forward to seeing you on the next one. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of I Think I'm Doing This Right. I hope this was your one hour to breathe, connect, relate, and realize you are not alone on one of the greatest self-development journeys there is to embark on. Entrepreneurship. Make sure to share this with your other friends who are just trying to figure it out so more of us can have a safe space to learn as we grow. Until next week, remember, this journey is all about grit, grace, and gratitude. <laughs>